Discussing the news that matters. Light Breakfast Front Page. On Front Page with me this morning is Rizal Zukapli, anchor with Awani Global. Good morning, Rizal. Hi, good morning, Shaz. Good morning. Now, senior police officers, including OCPDs, found to be collecting funds for the Hari Raya celebrations will be transferred immediately, according mm-hmm. to Datuk Sri Abdul Hamid Bador. He says he's already issued a warning. He will not tolerate this. Um, as a result, do you feel that transferring an officer um, is enough if found guilty of collecting Raya funds? And will this you know, help curb future, I guess, uh, corrupt behaviour? I think in this case, yes, um, transferring is one of the options um, because this would move them away from the base where they could collect money and where they have currently have influence and relationship with uh, people where they can practice these corrupt practices. So this could be one of the options um, for the IGP uh, to deal with these um, uh, corrupt officers. But I think moving forward, and they can also be um, fired, if I'm not mistaken. Um, The IGP has uh, issued several warnings before this to address this, and I think this should be taken seriously. And previously, the IGP has warned um, policemen against um, having a relationship with uh, people in, um, say, for example, in the gambling, people who are involved in in running a prostitution den. Mm -hmm. So, So I think these were some of the warnings that the IGP has issued previously. And we know that the IGP means serious business because previously, um, when he was um, not yet the IGP, he refused to clock in when he was transferred to PMO uh, while he was investigating uh, a 1MDB. Um, so I think this has shown that um, he means business. So I think transferring is just one of the options. There could be other options um, to deal with this corrupt um, policeman. Okay, of course, uh, further down in Singapore, any official who accepts a bride is immediately court-martialed. Um, and you said that this is something that Datuk Sri Abdul Hamid Badur uh, insists may happen as well here. Yeah, he's, he's really coming down hard. What's the reception been like um, for him in his role as IGP? I think I believe that trust in uh, public institutions is important currently. Um, with the uh, many reforms... Uh, put forth by the PH government, stop corruption and corrupt practices. This attempt by the, this the attempt and also the uh, actions taken by the IGP, um, I think will be received very positively. These many statements and warnings by the IGP, um, I think it gives people faith uh, and hope um, to people who, who, who are looking for and continuous change in the, in this new um, Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So, so to get rid of corruption, uh, whether by transferring these officers, by becoming more strict um, towards corrupt practices, um, it's, I think it's not just the task of one man, and I believe it requires support from everyone. And uh, the IGP um, has, um, again, issued many warnings, and I think um, court-martial, if put forth, could also be one of the um, factors to deter these corrupt practices. Well, when we come back, we're going to take a look at uh, recruitment firms revealing what jobs are in high demand as Malaysian banks go digital. That's up next here on Light.
on front page with me this morning is Rizal Zukafli, anchor from Awani Global. Now, recruitment firms have revealed what jobs are in high demand as Malaysian banks go digital. And uh, Natasha Isat, senior manager of Hayes Malaysia's Banking and Financial Services, noted that the digital push has impacted all aspects of the local banking and financial services sector, ranging from product development to contact centers and compliance departments. And talents who can handle technology and big data are in demand as more Malaysian banking and financial services make this digital shift. Um, Rizal, do you feel that Malaysia is in need of more tech-savvy employees? Are we anywhere near what we can supply to this industry? I think definitely. As um, companies have become very data-driven, employees have to um, have the skills to support uh, this growth. Talents um, need to be able to handle technology from, uh, say, for example, new manufacturing techniques to big data. Um, according to the uh, report, he has reported that more and more companies, especially banking and financial services, are making the shift towards a more digital-heavy operations. It's also reported that um, uh, I think about 66% of the banks in Malaysia are expected to make um, or be digitally matured uh, with regards to their operations. Um, adding to that, these banks are also under a lot of pressure from, um, say, fintech players. Um, these fintech players are leaner, younger, they're more flexible and they're global ready as well. Uh, they're more flexible and global ready as well. So we have um, e-wallets, although we're currently very at, the, at a very young stage, um, they're making waves across the retail industry. And um, as they are, I guess, I believe they are more attractive in the future for people to take up their um, services. So I, I believe that in this case, um, employees have to step up their game. Employees have to be trained and retrained uh, by the employers to face this digital uh, tech and also data-driven um, challenge as they move forward and to support the organizations. Yes, and I guess, you know, the Asian mindset also needs to shift, isn't it, to accommodate for this new breed of tech-savvy Malaysians. How does this affect other patients, such as, I guess, you know, the, the humanities, doctors, lawyers, engineers? But you'd be surprised, Asha, to see how f- um, fast we Asians uh, take up these uh, services, fintech, uh, e-hailing, we, we take up these services really fast. And we're open as a society, we're more tech-savvy collectively. And um, we like new ideas, I guess. And, and and we have institutions that are able to support these changes. Um, the legal profession, for example, um, has many new technologies to, technologies to manage uh, cases, enabling the uh, processes to be done um, faster. Um, we have more doctors collaborating with one another online and, um, um, and more new technologies in the medical field, say, for example, in surgery, in um, imaging and scanning. Um, and genius are also looking at, um, say, for example, big data to become more efficient. Mm-hmm. So I think it's everywhere currently. Um, tech and big data are expected to expand really fast in Asia and Asians um, in Asian countries. Um, I think if you go to China and if you go to Indonesia, uh, these are really, um, they're really big when it comes to um, having more technologies as part of their uh, daily lives. They've got e-wallets, they've got e-hailing, they've got many, many other applications uh, to support them um, every day. So I think we are on the right track, um, especially with the support 
by institutions such as the central bank uh, and many other regulators. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at tax on credit cards set to raise 255 million ringgit for government coffers. That's up next here on Front Page on Light. On front page with me this morning is Rizal Zukapli from Awani Global. Now, the 25 ringgit service tax on credit cards and charge cards is expected to add around 255 million ringgit annually to government coffers. The assumption is based on the number of credit cards and charge cards in circulation at the moment, which is about 10.2 million. And of the number, 9 million are principal credit cards, 1.1 million supplementary cards, and around 129,000 charge cards, according to Bank. Nagara figures. Um, result, will this truly affect credit card users, this extra 25 ringgit service tax on credit cards? Well, uh, uh, first of all, 25 ringgit per card, if you only have one credit card, is I think not um, too much in amount mm-hmm. uh, to pay at the end of the year. But if you have six or ten cards, imagine that. So um, I think, I think I believe it's, it's manageable, 25 ringgit. Uh, per annum for each credit card uh, and, and charge card. Uh, credit card um, fees, I think, currently range from maybe zero, uh, as low as zero um, to as high as about 3000 uh, per month per card. Yeah? And this is wow. for a charge card in Malaysia, um, for one charge card, one particular charge card in Malaysia. Um, so service tax is, um, um, is, an, is not new. I think it was first implemented in around, around the 90s, and this was maybe 50 ringgit per year back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but the number of cuts went down after um, this first um, um, uh, implementation happened, or the first time they announced the service tax. So every time it was abolished, the numbers, the number of credit cards went down. And every time it was, uh, sorry, every time it was introduced, the number of credit cards went down. And every time it was abolished, the tax, the service tax was abolished, the number of credit cards went up. Um, this is a clear sign that for some users, it could be a burden, if, especially if you hold three, four credit cards or right. charge cards. So you might want to cancel two or three and keep the one that you use the most. Could also, um, I think, help um, to manage the number of cards in circulation, especially with the level of household debt mm-hmm. um, in Malaysia. So maybe um, providers could offset the service tax by introducing um, maybe reward points to offset it. And of course, um, banks would probably have to work harder to make credit cards more attractive yeah. uh, by introducing new privileges and incentives, right? So to add to that, maybe um, to qualify for a card, you have to have a minimum income of about 2000 to 2500 ringgit per month. So um, according to a tax expert quoted in that article, um, 25 ringgit is maybe around 0.1% of, um, of their annual income. So, so maybe it's not a burden if you have only one credit card. If you have multiple <laughs> credit cards, maybe it's time for you to think of maybe cutting a few. Of yes, I tell you, I've uh, managed to pay them all off and now I only have one which I don't use. Um, oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and every time, you know, you walk down somewhere and uh, these um, sales guys go like, oh, would you like a credit card, ma'am? And I just give him a <laughs> withering look. Now, um, can this extra amount aid the current government debt? Again, I think, um, as we've discussed previously, um, with the introduction of new tax, um, taxpayers, I believe, have the right to know where this money is going to, what mm-hmm. to be spent on. And the current um, government, um, they, they've been um, talking about transparency and efficiency. So maybe if the purpose is to pay and to help the government to contribute to the um, reduction of the debt currently, uh, people could be um, maybe feeling a bit 
patriotic when they spend and maybe keep their cards anyway, you know, instead right. of um, cutting them down. But it's um, it's like uh, national service, but with perks. But I believe <laughs> I want to know what this money will be spent on. So I, I want to know um, uh, how they spend the, the, the about 200 million ringgit that they collect from this new tax. Yes, indeed. Well, coming up, uh, we know that Donald Trump and his wife Melania have arrived for their three-day UK state visit. We'll find out. What is the agenda for that trip? I actually don't know. I know he wanted to ride in a carriage. Is that going to happen? Well, we're going to find out next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Rizal Zulkafli, anchor at Awani Global. And uh, it looks like Air Force One had landed safely at Stansted Airport yesterday afternoon. Mr. Trump will be meeting members of the royal family. In fact, he has already met members if you were to watch all the Facebook live feeds coming out of the UK. Um, he's expected to discuss climate change and um, Huawei as well during talks with the outgoing Prime Minister Theresa May. Um, we've all read about his uh, criticisms of the mayor of of London, Sadiq Khan, <laughs> while he was still in the air. Bloom Lanagi, he's already, you know, uh, tweeting about that. Uh, so actually, Riza, what is the agenda for the trip? Is there like one umbrella agenda? What does Trump hope to achieve? Well, because the UK and the US um, have a relationship that goes way back. And during the Clinton and Blair administration, the um, these leaders coined the term, I guess um, it was called special relationship. So I think both countries will discuss um, various issues, as you mentioned earlier, especially, um, maybe, I believe, also Brexit, uh, climate change in Huawei. And, and I think the visit was scheduled much earlier for Trump uh, to officiate the new U.S. embassy in London. But this was cancelled because it was met with a lot of protests from mm-hmm. many various um, walks of life. Um, and Trump is, of course... Not very popular in the UK, but it's still part of the um, special relationship. I'm using air quotes. You can probably, probably, yes. probably can't see it right now. <laughs> I but can many, feel it, Rizal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but many protests um, are scheduled and have um, have um, uh, went on already. With um, I think the Labour Party leader uh, Jeremy Corbyn also set to join one of these protests. But um, I think let's not forget the um, fact that also Trump called the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, a sore loser hours before he arrived in uh, in the UK. Mm-hmm. So for Trump, it's also important for him to maybe use this um, to boost his image for him to be re-elected. Um, and UK is, of course, going to okay to partner with Huawei in certain non-core sectors. So this could be one of the main issues because like, Trump is pushing mm-hmm. um, this Huawei issue really hard as well as um, trade I'm seeing that um, the UK will leave the EU. So so there's no one umbrella issue, but it's also just a visit, um, say, for example, from Malaysian Prime Minister to visit Indonesia, right. a newly elected Malaysian Prime Minister to visit Indonesia. It's just that this visit has been put off for the longest time. Right. And now Trump is making his uh, first appearance in London. Okay, now at the moment, what is the current state of US-UK relationship? I mean, it's fairly friendly, isn't it? It's fairly friendly, but I think currently there are many things that could also test the special um, relationship between these two countries, especially um, issues like climate change. I know Theresa May um, has um, is expected to also discuss uh, climate change with President Trump. Theresa May is pushing uh, for President Trump to change his stand with regards to climate change. And people said that that could be t- Miss, uh, or Mrs. May's um, final 
um, legacy um, in her um, um, administration with regards to climate change if she could change Trump's um, stand uh, on climate change. So climate change is a very big issue in the UK, um, but in the US it's also a big issue because it's affecting some of the key businesses, especially energy. So so I want to see that dance between Theresa May and, and uh, President Trump uh, when they do their <laughs> yeah. final uh, press conference. So right. I want to see the language they use. Okay. So the last thing I want to see is Theresa May dancing again. <laughs> <laughs> But you never know. It might just happen. My eyes, my eyes. My eyes are burning. Okay, when we come back, we'll be taking a look at Malaysia Airlines. Um, According to CEO Isham Ismail, it should not be shut down. We'll look at that next here on Light. On front page with me this morning, Rizal Zukafli from Awani Global. Let's take a look at this headline. Malaysia Airlines should not be shut down, says CEO Isham Ismail. He said, I personally believe that shutting it down would be a wrong move. However, he is open to equity investments from investors. He said the airline is still awaiting approval from the board of directors of its sole shareholder, Kazana National Burhat, on its next turnaround plan. He expects a decision from Kazana's board, chaired by Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad to be made by the end of June or July. Um, mm-hmm. Rizal, if a business is failing and numerous uh, tries, I think four to be exact, at Revival have failed, what should be the right move? I'm going to put this out there and say maybe five is the magic number. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but let's look at the purpose of doing business here. It mm-hmm. is to increase the um, wealth and profits for the um, owners of this business. And in this case, it's the government, Kazana's um, wealth and profit. So maybe the government is looking at other benefits that uh, Malaysia Airlines have contributed to the nation and to the nation's economy in terms of maybe prestige, uh, brand, um, uh, being a national flag carrier, employment, connectivity, economy benefits. So this may have um, offset the many or the billions of ringgit each and offset the billions of ringgit um, injected into the premium carrier, um, maybe the cost-benefit analysis should be made public so that we know um, the billions of ringgit generated from the uh, from keeping Malaysia Airlines alive. So, so we have to understand that and I think decisions have to be made public because it's going to be the fifth try uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, CEO Isham Ismail said that he's open to uh, equity investment, but or are they open to the many new and could be um, punishing ideas from these new investors because they want to see profits. They want to yes. see money being made from these uh, new investments, right? So we do need more um, air travel looking at the um, growing interest in travels, um, growing middle class uh, in, in Southeast Asia and affordable destinations. But let's not forget other companies are also doing well. Other airlines are also doing well without government intervention. So can um, Malaysia Airlines step up its game. I am a bit patriotic in this case. Right. So I want to keep the, the national flag carrier in a world that is heavy on branding. But I also want to see, um, as a former journalist, I also want to see this company doing well and making profit. So it's, 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 I hope it's not a zero-sum game that you can either be making profit or become a really good 
national flag carrier. So I think we can do both. All right. Well, wonderful. We also, you know, have our sentimental feelings about Malaysia Airlines. And um, oh, we hope for the very best, don't we? Mm. Okay. Well, Rizal, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Front Page. Selamat Hari Raya, Idil Fitri, and um, Zayan Batin from all of us at Light, yeah? Always calling you so early in the morning. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure talking to you, Shaz. And I send my regards to the team at Light. Thank all you very right. much. Thank you. The front page will be on our podcast list a little later this morning at light.my. Coming up in the next hour, we are playing you your relaxing favorites. So do send those in to our DG Lightline at 016 510 That's next here on Light.